morning, everybody. My name is Bella Horn, and my husband Keenan and I have been coming here almost the full three years. We're about at two and a half now, um, and we have just loved being a part of this church and watching it grow. Um, we serve in all kinds of different areas here at the church. We serve as youth leaders. We serve up in the sound booth. I serve in the welcome center. I get up here and do this sometimes, too. And recently, we started a young adult small group, which has been so much fun. Um, we have just been blown away by, like, how much that's grown already. And actually, this Wednesday, um, we're going to be meeting at Red and Stacy's house for a bonfire. Um, and so there's going to be s'mores and food, lots of good food. Um, so if you're interested in joining us, come see me, and I'll add you to the group chat and send you all the details. And it's just been so much fun. Um, so today, we're going to be reading from a couple, couple different scriptures. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 6. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Matthew 22, 34-40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is, most important, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for the word of God that's living, it's true, it's alive, it's powerful, it's for us. And today, uh, we, this message is titled Total Devotion because it's kind of, um, I believe, the rally cry, the heart cry of our church of what does it look like to be a church in the next year and next five years to be a church that's totally devoted to Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus wants everything, not something? He doesn't just want like a little corner of your life or a corner of your heart. He wants the totality of who you are. And I'm thankful for that because his love for us is so grand and it is so great. Before we, but let's go to the Father in prayer. Jesus, we come before you. Lord, may we be a church that's totally devoted to you. May we be a people that love you with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Spirit of God, we ask that your presence would rest in this room. God, I pray that you would allow me in my humanness and my flesh to completely step to the side and that you, through the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, would speak through me. That you would challenge us and equip us to be the type of people moving into the future you've called us to be. God, we live in a city, in a county that needs Jesus. Lord, 70% of the people that we interact with in this county don't go to church anywhere. 
May we have a heart to see them come to know you, Jesus. May we have a heart to see this world be changed as it encounters you. May we be totally devoted to you. We love you. We thank you. In the mighty, most holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm a rather, um, I'm a rather big fan. I, I like Asian food, like a little bit of sesame chicken or generals. Uh, general so. How do you say it? Is it so's towel? Huh? Sow? No. Oh, wow. I've been saying it wrong, but I, I've been a fan of that my whole, my, I've, I've always enjoyed it. But there's a, there's a restaurant in Akron, Ohio that I refuse to go to because I got food poisoning. And for, you know what I'm talking about, like the next three days, um, I just wished I was dead. I, I think I slept in the bathroom. It was just one of the, the worst like 48 hours of my life where I just thought I was going to die from it. And what's interesting is, is we can make determinations about things based on the experience that we have had. Based on what we encountered. You make determinations about a restaurant based on how the quality of the servers treated you and all those different things, the encounters that, that we have. And so that's what's so important for us as followers of Jesus to realize is what kind of people are we and what kind of experience are we giving off to the world about who Jesus is. I'm going to start this morning by talking about if we're going to be the type of church that's totally devoted to Jesus, then we need to grasp what is most important. What is most important. I remember in high school, um, and definitely in, in college, um, there was times where uh, you maybe made a choice and it was a wrong choice to procrastinate. <laughs> And you got a big project coming up and suddenly you've got like a 500-page book that you have to read by Monday and it's Sunday night. <laughs> right? And you're like, there is physically no way I can get through all 500 pages. Like, but I need to know the concepts. I need to know what it's about in order to be able to pass this class. And so because of that, there was something that was created called Cliff Notes. I mean, that's right. The college section is like, praise Jesus. Lift him high for Cliff Notes. Right? <laughs> And Cliff Notes, what it is, is it's like it's the squeezing out of everything that's important but what's truly important. Like what's, what's the key concepts? What's, what's most vital? What's, what's most important that like you cannot get past it? This is the key of it. It narrows it down and filters it for you. What is vital? What is important? What cannot be lost? Businesses do this as well. You go to businesses and you'll see that they have like a mission statement and a vision or, and core values. And what you see posted there is their attempt to both their employees but also to their customers or their consumers to say, this is who we are. This is what we see as being most important about our company. They're taking everything that is important, everything that's vital, everything, and they're shrinking it down to say, this is what's most important. There's this really interesting moment in the nation of Israel's history. They're about to walk into the promised land. And Moses is knowing that he's not going. And he's trying to get across to them what's so important. He's trying to articulate to them their history, what God has done, how he has saved them, how he has rescued them, and how they have to hang on to the important truths. So you get to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you find the words that Bella read for us this morning. 
And Moses looks out on the congregation of Israel, and he's speaking to them both individually, but also to them corporately. And he's saying, listen, you must catch this. You must not lose this. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Then you get fast forward a few thousand years to Jesus, and he's in another one of those encounters he finds himself in with the Pharisees and Sadducees where they're trying to trick him. And he gives them a royal beatdown because he's awesome like that. <laughs> they're, they're trying to track him and trip him. And he just basically silenced the Sadducees with one of their arguments. And so the Pharisees who didn't like the Sadducees are sitting there and they're like, oh, yay. Now maybe if we can trick him when he just put them to shame, then maybe, maybe, maybe we'll look even better in front of the people's eyes. And so it says the Pharisees then, they present Jesus with a question in the attempt to trick him. And they say, out of all the commandments, out of all these 600 plus laws that we have, what's the most important one, Jesus? Now what's really interesting is Jesus was brilliant and he's wise. And almost in every one of these situations in the past, Jesus would typically answer their question with a question. He very rarely will actually give them a straight answer. He usually would respond with a question in turn. But what's important to note this time is Jesus doesn't do that. He flat out gives them the answer. They go, what's the most important? And Jesus instantly goes, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And the second is equally important to it, to love your neighbors yourself. What happened in that moment is Jesus goes, if you will do just that, all the other laws. In fact, he says it this way. If you will do that, all of the law and the prophets is combined in that one activity. If you will love the Lord your God first with everything and then love each other, then you can accomplish like everything the law and the prophets talk about. What just happened? Moses and Jesus just gave us the cliff notes. They just squeezed out to us the very heart of God for humanity, but also specifically for us as Christians. Um, in it, what we find is in this command, the very heart and the essence of what should be the DNA of Christianity. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to talk to you a little bit about the power of DNA. It's actually quite scary. Um, I, I read this book when I was on vacation called um, The Forever Witness, and it talks about DNA. You leave your DNA everywhere you go, right? You shake someone's hand, you get a little bit of sweat droplets on them, you, you sneeze, you, you uh, cough, you, you drink a cup of coffee. How many of you drink a cup of coffee today at church? All right, amen? All right, that's a good day. Free donuts and coffee is a good day at church. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't know if it gets much better than that. You wake up, you get Jesus, you get coffee, and you get sugar. <laughs> but when you dropped that cup of coffee into the trash can, you also dropped your DNA with that. Just a cup of coffee like that has caught killers who have been rampant for a long period of time. I read this book, and what was really interesting is that they actually have a company that just off that little bit of spit that's combined with the coffee they were actually able to track a known serial killer 
and create a profile. They had no clue what he looked like, but just off of that, they were able to create an artist rendering of what he probably looked like. And when they finally caught the killer and you looked at next to the actual rendering next to it, it was astoundingly accurate. That's scary. All of that inside your DNA, revealing who, like, it, it can trace your bloodline, can show where you've been from. Can I tell you something? We also have a spiritual DNA. There's a part of us that needs to reveal the truth of whose we are, whose presence we've been in. The power of DNA is the fact that, listen, it identifies you and it reveals what defines you. The question I have for us is, as a church, what do we want that to be for us and what has Christ revealed it should be for us in the next year and three years and five years? What does it look like to be faithful church of Jesus Christ here in Hartford City in Blackford County making an impact in our area, in our region, in this country, and in this world? What does it look like to live that out faithfully? And the answer is, let's be a church of total devotion. Read with me again these words. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Jesus wants all. You know that word all there? Guess when you look back in the Greek what it stands for? All. You guys are so smart. <laughs> You didn't even know you were a Greek scholar, did you? <laughs> it means all. In fact, it's the Hebrew word um, that, it's the Hebrew K-O-L, cult, and it means all or the whole, the totality of your being. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. It means your emotions. It means your reasoning. It means your actions, your energy, your effort. It means your resources. What God is saying is he wants every single part of you dedicated to him. We, we, we would and we should expect nothing less. I've done a lot of weddings. Um, I've officiated at a lot of weddings. And can I tell you something? I've never stood up like on a stage like this officiating wedding where the bride and groom come up here and the vows say something like this. I promise to love and care for you on Saturdays only. <laughs> Brides, can you imagine that guy standing in front of you and saying that? It would be instant violence. Right. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> That's what you're committing to in front of this whole body? If you're committing to love me one day out of the week? No, we would never accept that. And can I tell you something? Neither would Jesus. Jesus doesn't want a fraction of your heart. He doesn't want a closet. He wants the total of who you are, every single aspect of who you are. What Jesus and Moses are telling us is that you and I, we were made for love. And the only way to truly be alive, the only way we truly can be who we were created to be is when our love is directed towards its greatest source, which is God alone. We must be a church of total devotion. This is an interesting command because... Watch this. He's saying, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your, all of your strength. When Moses makes this command, it's an individual command, but it's a corporate command. 
it can only be carried out if you and I faithfully live it out. But it's not just a command that Moses is giving to you singularly. It's a command that he would be giving to the entire nation corporately. And as a church, it's not just a command we must live out faithfully individually. It's a command we must live out and practice faithfully corporately. We must together as a body live out what it looks like to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength here in Glad Tidings in Hartford City. We have to. It's vital. It's important. So what does it look like to be a church then of total devotion? Let me give you four things that I think define it that must be in our spiritual DNA. And the first is this. We must be a church pursuing his presence. We must be a church pursuing his presence. Moses said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul. That means your desire, your motivation is just as important, if not more important than your action. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You've received a gift before from someone that like maybe it felt like it was just something that they had to do. And, or maybe they're trying to like cover something up and you're like, no, no thanks, don't want it. Uh, it doesn't matter how nice the gift is. If it's just given out of duty or responsibility, you want their heart behind it. I tell this story all the time. Um, my wife, I once, uh, I was way early on in ministry when I was really young and poor. Secretary at our church in Akron, Ohio, comes up to me with this gorgeous vase of like 30 of the most beautiful roses you've ever seen. She's like, we had a funeral and they didn't want these and they left it behind, so we don't know what else to do with it. You want to take it home to your wife? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, here's the thing. I'm not a flowers guy. I've never like, that's not been like, my, like I give my wife lots of gifts, but like flowers isn't one of them. I don't know. Maybe that makes me a bad guy, but I just like, I'm going to give her something that's going to die in a couple days. Like... <laughs> Not down for that. <laughs> so I bring him home. I put him on the table, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, I got her some flowers, right? She comes walking through the door. She takes one look at him and goes, who died? Because <laughs> here's the thing. The gift didn't mean anything because it cost me nothing. The heart intent was behind it. But then there's been other times where I've spent, like, far, far less, but the gift came from my heart came in a time where it meant something and it was like the end of the world. Like it was, she was so thankful for it because the motivation is just as important as the action. We must be a church pursuing the presence of Jesus. We must be marked by his presence. We must desire to be in his presence. His presence is where power is. His presence is where life change comes from. Listen to me, this is for someone in the church today. You are bent and broken and tired of constant religion and feeling like this sense of duty and responsibility. Can I tell you something? Your king never wanted that from you. He wanted your heart. Oh, don't get me wrong. If your heart's in the right place, all that other stuff still comes, right? But it comes with a correct motivation, with a correct desire saying, God, I want to give to you. God, I want to give you my voice. I want to sing to you. I want to praise you. I want to honor you with my life, with my resources, with my time, with my talent, with my church, because you are so worthy of my praise. That's so much different than, well, I showed up to church because I had to because I'm a Christian. We must be a church pursuing 
his presence. I pray that this would be a place defined by people desperately pursuing his presence. I wrote this in a journal entry a while back. And I've said, God, I want to be known by you far more than what I've been known for doing or accomplishing for you. Because if I can get the first part right, I can find joy in the second. But if I get the first part wrong, I will find only exhaustion in the second. God, I want to be known by you more than what I've done or accomplished for you. Because if I can get the first part right, I can find joy in the second. But if I get the first part wrong, I'll find only exhaustion in the second. Christ wants to set someone free today. To love him truly with their heart. To say, I've been wanting you all along. great example of this would be the, the church of Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus writes this, and he says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. I don't know about you, but to that point, if I'm the pastor of that church, I'm like, hey, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, Jesus. Thank you for those words. That's pretty awesome. Look how good we're doing. But then you get to verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Do the works that you did at first. Spiritual passion is either increased or depleted in the presence of or in the absence of presence. Let me say it again. Spiritual passion is either increased or depleted in the pursuit of or in the absence of presence. They had lost their first love. They had lost the priority that everything else had to be built off of. I want you to think back to that time and that place where Christ rescued you. That place where he called your name. Where everything changed. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. We must be a people who pursue him above all else. I'm going to say this later in the sermon, but listen. We are not a perfect church and we're going to get some things wrong. Amen? We're not a perfect church because you're here. And I'm here. Amen? Like seriously. We're not perfect people. We're going to get things wrong. But the reality is, is the one thing we cannot get wrong is we must be a people pursuing his presence. We must be a people that are after his heart. They're saying, God, I want you to shape in me and change me and mold me to be more like you. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, but everything that was gained to me, I have now considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I consider them as dung, as rubbish, as refuse, as all of this so that I can gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness from God based on faith. 
my goal is to know him. Paul's like, you can take everything from me. I want one thing and one thing only. I want his presence. I want Jesus. We must be a church that's pursuing and practicing living in the very presence of Jesus. Secondly, we must be a church grounded in the word. Listen to what um, Moses says here in Deuteronomy. He says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations. The Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. You and your children, your grandchildren, must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his commands and decrees, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. We must be a church grounded in his word. You cannot love someone if you don't know them. If you do, it's just creepy. Seriously, that's like the definition of a stalker. If you, like, you could know all the facts in the world about Michael Jordan, but if you come walking up on him and try to give him a hug, it's going down. His bodyguard is taking you out. Why? Because you don't know him. You might know things about him. You might think you love him, but if you don't know him, it's not. Listen to me. God wants you to know him. And the only way we can know God is to get into his word. We must be a church constantly, faithfully. We must be a people firmly, totally grounded in the word of God. It's the only way in which we can know him. And this is so important for our day and time than ever before. We must be firmly established on the commands of God and on his word. Because I tell you something, that right now in our world, our society, our culture, and even the American church is slowly just constantly walking away from it. Step by step by step of, well, I just want to be a little bit more culturally relevant. I don't want people to think things of me this way. Or I don't think, listen to me, I'm not saying to you to be a jerk. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. Not to beat people over the head and be a jerk. But we still have to stand on truth and speak the truth. And the only way we can truly know who God is, is if we know his word. This was the problem of the nation of Israel. They tried to mix their worship of Yahweh with the worship of false gods of their time. And every time that that happened, God rejected them because they had created God as an idol in their eyes. If we try to mix Jesus with our culture and what we want to do, all we're doing is we're creating a new Jesus we choose to worship, not the real one. We must be a church that's firmly and totally grounded in the word of God. So the question I have for us is, are we, are you? Are you in his word? Are you growing in it? Are you saying, God, reveal who you are to me through it? Thirdly, we need to be a church committed to discipleship. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Verse 7, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Parents and grandparents in the room, you are the primary disciplers of your children. 
And the place of primary discipleship that will happen is in the home, not the church. The church is important. You will never hear me ever downplay the church. The church is important. It's vital. But if all your kids of Jesus that they're getting is taking place what happens here on a Sunday morning, that's like feeding your kids vitamins on one day a week hoping that they're going to live off of that. Can I tell you something? Your kid would die. Vitamins are good. They're important. They're vital. But they still need meat and potatoes, not salads. (laughs) I'm very (laughs) anti-salad. And anti-cat. But anyways. (laughs) My point is this. We need to be a church that's committed to discipleship. We need to be a church that is growing in our... This is one of the reasons why we produce some of the resources that we do. Uh, We've got this prayer guide. Our goal is that hopefully families all across our different campuses are going to take this... And every single day, maybe around dinner time, you're diving in as a family and you're praying for the nations. You're teaching your kid what does it look like to pray for people they've never even met before so that whenever they go to school and then they meet someone who doesn't know Jesus, they already have multiple times with their family praying for lost people. You see, remember what Moses says right here? Remember what he says? He says, listen to me. Repeat these things again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Repeat them over and over and over again. When you're at home, let the truth of God and spiritual formation to be taking place because this is the place where discipleship happens. But what about for us as well? We have small groups that take place here. There's ways to serve and get involved. We need to be people who are connecting and growing together as the body of Christ. You were not made to do life alone. You cannot find that in Scripture. All throughout the New Testament, there's these one another statements where it's going back and forth and it's talking about the importance of being in community where we lift each other up, we hold each other, we bear each other's burdens, we forgive each other. That happens in the context of community. We must be a church with a heart for the lost. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I've said this before, I want to say it again. A church that has lost a heart for the lost is a church that has lost the heart of God. A church that has lost a heart for the lost is a church that has lost the very heart of God. We're going to hear more on that next week as we dive into kingdom builders. But can I tell you something? If we're going to be a church that reflects Christ, we have to be a church that's passionate about what he's passionate about. And he's passionate about lost people. He's willing to leave the 99 to find the one. If we're going to be reflecting Christ, we need to realize that time is short and his eternity is long. Grandparents in the room, will you just raise your hand up if you've got any grandkids in the room? Is time short? Is it not just a moment you blink and suddenly you're like, what happened? Right? Like seriously, I've got an 11-year-old. I feel like yesterday I woke up and he was two. Then I woke up this morning and I'm just like, what happened to the small man in my house? (laughs) Who eats me out of house and home? (laughs) Like, Like, where did that come from, right? Like, 
You blink and that time happens. The time we have is so short, but eternity is long. There's people in your life and mine that are far from Christ. The stats tell us this, and this is from the U.S. Census Bureau, okay? This is for the county of Blackford, Indiana. 70% of those who live in Blackford, Blackford County do not go to church anywhere. 70%. And that's of those who themselves have said where they go to church. That includes people who say they go to church, but they go like one time a year. My point is this, is that the number is actually far, far, far higher than that, actually. We live in a day and time where the Bible is more readily accessible than ever before. It's the least read than ever before. And there is people who are dying left and right who are going to spend eternity apart from Christ. And you and I, we have a responsibility. You are not here by accident. You are not placed here by accident for such a time as this. God puts you where you're at to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. When we first started this church, we did so right in the middle of COVID and we prayed every single week for lost people just as we do here every week with our fishbowls. We said, God, would you somehow leverage and use us for your glory? This year, we have seen 42 different people either accept Jesus or rededicate their heart to Jesus. Amen, come on, give Jesus, like, that's what it's about. But we can never be a church that loses sight of that. If we ever get to a place where we think it's like us four and no more, we have ceased to exist to do what we were called to do. This church is always met for the empty seat next to you. It's that person in your life. It's your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, your neighbor, your best friend, the person you work with for the last 20 years. It's that person, that seat is there for on purpose because we're praying, Jesus, bring them here. Bring them home. I want to always be a type of church that, listen, I, I, you know the people I want to see start coming to church? The people who feel like if I come walking through the doors of the church, the roof's going to cave in. I want them. I'm serious. I love interacting with those kind of, because I love when they come in and suddenly they realize, wait a second, there's a group of people that meets me, that cares for me, that loves me, that instantly feels like family, and suddenly their guards let down and they get to see Jesus for the first time. We must be that kind of church. We must have a heart for people who are far from God. So the question I have for you is who's in your sphere of influence? Who's on your Facebook friends list? Who do you connect with on text or social media or that you call, that you go to work with, that you go to school with? Who is it that's far from Jesus that needs a place to call home? May we leverage our lives for the sake of God's glory and seeing people come to know him. May we never lose sight of what is important. Because if we lose a heart for people who are far from Christ, we've lost sight of Christ's heart. And lastly, may we be a church that's living and loving each other in the world. You've heard the mission statement of glad tidings is to develop biblically sound believers who reflect Christ's character. We care about that greatly. 
because you can't know Christ if you don't know the Bible. <laughs> we must be biblically sound, but we also must reflect him to this world, and we reflect him with our love. First John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We need to live this out first here within the church and then out there in the world. All throughout the New Testament, you get to the one another statements and it's about loving each other, caring for each other, supporting each other, building each other up, holding each other up, carrying each other's burdens. Like we, we've got to live that out. We have to be a church that's living and loving each other. I want to see, look, again, I, we're going to get a lot of things wrong. Um, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes in our attempt to do things for Jesus. But can I tell you, these are the things we can't get wrong. We have to be a church that loves each other. We have to be a church that's pursuing his presence. We have to be a church that's grounded in the word of God. We have to be a church that has a heart for lost people. We have to be a church that loves each other supports each other, is there for each other. There's an incredible power when we do this together. You know, Moses, when he was saying that, he was saying it both to the corporate but also to the individual. He's looking at you, he's looking at me, and he's saying, you must love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mission, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And if you'll do that, you fulfilled everything that I've that I have for you. We have to be a church that loves like that. Because then we can move into the world. The world is used to seeing like a broken version of Christianity. They need to see the Christianity that reveals Jesus by our love and our kindness and our care. That says, hey, come all you who are weak and weary and heavily laden, come. Listen to me. The, the beauty of the church is this. We don't say, come as you are and stay as you are. Amen? We say, come as you are and let's see what Jesus does. Because Jesus, when you encounter him, everything changes. Everything changes. That's the kind of church we want to be. Will you stand with me this morning? been praying for you. I've been praying for us because this is a call for each and every one of us. If we're going to see God do in our midst what he has already done and more, we've got to be a church dedicated to these things. Here's what I want us to do. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes as we bring the lights down. starts with his presence I want you in your mind's eye almost like a time machine to go back to that place as best you can that place where the love of God invaded your heart for the first time in the most powerful way I want you to remember the room maybe it was a 
corner of carpet or tile. Maybe it was a stretch of grass on the side of a hill or at a retreat center. Maybe it was the smell of a wooden pew that you were bent down and kneeling at. Or a plastic folding chair. I want you to go back to that place where Jesus showed up like never before, where he called your name and you knew how real he was. For me, it was a little stretch of carpet. There was this little two-by-two tiny little sound booth. It was like a stand-up in the middle of this moldy church basement area with like 80s worship music blasting in the background. And it was as if everything faded away. It was as if there was nobody else in the room. It was like it was me and Jesus. And I didn't care who was to my left. I didn't care who was to my right, who was in front of me or behind me. It was like for the first time ever, I encountered him for who he truly was. And over those next few minutes, listen to me, his presence, his him being there with me meant the world to me because I encountered the one whom my soul loved. I want you to go back with me to that place for you. I want you to remember the sights, the sounds, the smells, whatever it was. And I want you to find that place. And I want you to remember the beauty of being in the presence of your king. Because the truth is, church, we cannot lose sight of the fact his presence is what we need. Where his presence is, there is power. Where his presence is, there's life change. Where his presence is, everything can completely flip on its head. The impossible becomes possible. Water becomes wine. (laughs) An impassable sea becomes dry ground. Where his presence is, everything changes. We cannot be a church that's just doing church. We must be a church that's defined by our love and total devotion, saying, God, I want you more than anything else. So go back to that place. Go back to that room. And hear your king call you once again. He says, my son, my daughter, I never left. I was always here. My love for you is the same today as it was then. My presence is still ever so near. And may we church today in this moment, may we be defined by his presence. Spirit of the living God, we invite you into this room. We invite you into our hearts. We invite you to speak to those you are calling us to that are far from you, that God, they've never heard you call their name. They've never heard that sweet sound of you calling them home saying, I'm the love you've always been looking for. I'm the thing that your heart's been searching for, that your heart's been longing for. And may you use our lives for that. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I'm asking if every head can be bowed, every eye be closed, no one looking around, this is your private moment with Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. I just want to be able to pray with you. But I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you're here today and you've never heard that, if you've never 
giving your life fully to Jesus. And today you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I want to hear the sound of my King and be reminded of His love is so great and incredible for me. And I want to be in the kingdom of God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand in this room? I want to give you this your opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. The Bible says this. It says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And in doing so, when we put our faith and trust that Jesus came and he died for those sins, the beauty is, is that we become children of the Most High God. Paul writes in the book of Romans that we can call out like Abba, Father. That's like saying Daddy. It means that you have a relationship with God, that you are his child. And if today you're saying, God, I want to be brought into your kingdom. I'm asking you to forgive me my sins. I want to turn to you. Listen to me. You moved from death to life, and he called your name. And today he's saying, my son, my daughter, I love you more than you could ever possibly imagine. My love for you is deeper than the deepest ocean. It is stronger than you can ever possibly even think about. And it's for you. Church, we must be a church pursuing his presence grounded in his word has a heart for the lost and loving each other father we dedicate our lives we ask jesus would you help us would you guide us to be a church totally devoted to you we love you we honor you we worship you in the mighty name of jesus we pray join us in worship today, giving thanks and praise and honor and gratitude, King, who has done so much for us.